Hi, and welcome to episode five of Dot to Dot. Uh, today, I'm joining you from the Nakatomi workshop, and I'm talking with Hamish Payne. We're always up for testing the boundaries on this podcast, and today we're literally joining you from the workshop floor where the rocket stove was designed and rolled out all the way to East Africa. You might hear some noise, you might hear some action, but that's the way we want it. Hamish, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Nakatomi and what you do here? Uh, Sure. I am the head engineer of Nakatomi. Excellent. And as the head engineer of Nakatomi, we've had uh, the pleasure at Creatable of working with you. Today, I'm really excited to unpack some of the kind of technical processes of the Burundi project and and the work that's happening in East Africa as part of that partnership with UNICEF. Um, So one of those projects is the rocket stove. Uh, For those that haven't heard or had the opportunity to see the micro documentary, can you just surmise that project for us? Sure. So Burundi is the second poorest country in the world. They and UNICEF has asked uh, Creatable to work on a project that works to their uh, key problems uh, within the schooling industry. So they they wanted to create a project that uh, brought innovation and engagement with the students uh, while also improving their lives in some substantial way. Uh, And so they came to us with this uh, very amorphous brief about trying to bring this Creatable program into Burundi. So the rocket stove was this proposal that we had for uh, how do we improve the air quality of uh, Burundi citizens? They have issues with fireplaces and deforestation. Uh, And so we thought, well, potentially this rocket stove, which is a a really efficiently burning stove that uses up to three times less fuel than regular cooking fires, uh, might improve their quality of life while also being a good project for students to take on and engage with. Yeah, so so playing it back, UNICEF and the Ministry of Education in Burundi um, had a series of kind of problems that were there. And one of those problems was about ventilation in kind of dwellings. And they approached uh, Creatable and Nakatomi about the best way to kind of uh, overcome that issue. And uh, the way you went about that was through taking this rocket stove. <laughs> no, so the... The actual uh, process that we went through, uh, UNICEF came to us or we came to them. Uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a, uh, a collision of interests. They said, we really want to bring the Creatable program into Burundi because we think that it'll really bring innovation and engagement into this impoverished nation. And so at that point, in order to get this thing off the ground, we started spitballing ideas. We looked at what kinds of problems African nations might have. And the big things are always going to be clean water, clean air, access to food, uh, safety, right? Those were the, the sort of top of the head ideas. We didn't know the exact situation in Burundi. We didn't know the exact situation uh, that we were going to deal with. But those were the kind of top line ideas that you can start tackling from a, uh, a top down perspective. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in the process and the, the ideation phase of that. So it's a really interesting approach to to. I guess, problem definition in that first uh, instance because there's a, a broad brush, you know, here are the kind of many, 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 many problems that we have. As teachers, uh, we can certainly relate to many, many, many problems. Um, which one we're going to pick off and, and how we're going to get to that solution. So with the the rocket stove in, in particular, you've got an idea that kind of exists elsewhere. You've got a problem in Burundi and then you've kind of sourced a technological solution but the technology isn't cutting edge technology it's not um, the most up-to-date iphone app can you talk to me about 
that kind of concept of idea diffusion or the idea of kind of taking uh, here's something that works over here. Here's a problem. I'm going to marry those two up. And, and how you went about that? Yeah. So my role at Nakatomi very much involves, as a, an engineer, you know, it involves taking ideas from all over the place and bringing them into one area. We work on some very esoteric things. We've worked on production line processes for food companies. We've worked on uh, self-driving cars and self-driving bicycles. Um, which we can actually see in from our position in the workshop. You know, so we, we deal with a whole bunch of different interesting creative tasks. And my role is really to bring, to read widely and bring ideas from other industries or other areas into our creation process. It's not so much about working more efficiently as it is working with concepts that you wouldn't necessarily think of otherwise. A lot of innovation, in fact, almost all innovation that you can, you can point to is taking an idea and evolving it or applying it in a different way. So with this one in particular, with the rocket stove, we looked at how can we improve air quality in, in this area? And so we looked at, well, how are they cooking things? How are they uh, keeping their places warm? And we found that using regular regular stoves. And so we looked at other people's solutions to this problem, which was is generally introduce a gas stove or introduce an electric stove or bring up some other supply system that needs roads and other infrastructure to be able to support. And so we, we looked more foundational than that. We looked abroad and we thought... All right, is there a way to make these fireplaces more efficient? Uh, can we burn this fuel more efficiently? And so we, we researched, we looked online, we looked through uh, encyclopedias and we found these other technologies that have been around since the uh, well 1800s for the, for the rocket stove. A rocket stove, for those of you who don't know, is a you have a, a wire mesh that you suspend your fuel above and you have a, a hole underneath that air can flow into. People hesitate to call this technology, but it really is a technology. And it's just really interesting to me that these kinds of things aren't easily distributed. Like it's just an idea. It's a very simple concept. I love the idea that that knowledge empowers a behavior, you know? Yeah. So for, for people in Burundi, you know, that's life-changing, you know, and we can see in the micro documentary, there's a lot of uh, really important secondary consequences uh, to being able to be more efficient with that. That idea diffusion concept, that shift in behavior through knowledge is really what this podcast is all about. It was a bit of an eye-opener for me that the technical solution for the problem in Burundi was actually solved thousands of years ago in Dakota. Um, you know, and we just had to get that idea to the right place at the right time. You know, so I wonder what solutions exist out there for problems that I have that I just don't know about. I wonder what the rocket stove equivalent is for me as a teacher. For teachers, we've got a lot of pressure around evidence, like evidence-based practice. So I'm, I'm interested in any kind of tips for using research or literature or that kind of idea of um, the divergent kind of thinking and then that convergent thinking into solving a problem. Divergence and convergence. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Uh, so with Nakatomi, we, we are a service company. So people come to us with problems and we try to solve them. Uh, but what usually ends up happening is we will identify, oh, they have this problem, but really it's a, it's a much deeper problem. The process that we came through with this fireplace, this fire pit, when we were given the issue of make a, an interesting and engaging project for Burundi. And so we cast our net wide and we looked for the problems that actually impacted the students directly. For me, it's really just iteration. It's just, you do one thing. If it's not enough, you do another thing. And if it's not enough, you do another thing. So you, you dig deeper and dig it deep, deeper and wider. <laughs> and the when, when you stop is either when you run out of time, money, or 
interest. Because at some point you will find you've found something that you're interested in, something that, that works. Uh, and it may not be 100%. Like you were talking before uh, in a pre-chat about decision paralysis, where you have so many options that you just can't choose which one might be best. But really, it's better to have some solution than no solution, as long as you think it'll work, as long as you think it'll improve things a little bit. So we actually had, I think, seven different proposals for projects for this Burundi project. Um, and a lot of these things we had to discard. So we, we came up with these, these solutions to these problems that we had identified. And then we refined them and we, found, we, we actually tried to apply them. We said, if we were to do this, what would happen? And so we looked at the materials available to the Burundi people. We looked at that specific situation and we were able to discard quite a lot of the proposed solutions because they wouldn't work sociologically or environmentally or materially. For us, it's very much a, yeah, I think you think you were right. We broaden our mind quite a lot. We dig deep and then we can narrow down. We propose some solutions to the problems that we imagine in our heads. And then we can narrow down with the specifics uh, what might actually work so we can throw away things that don't. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate the way that you've kind of unpacked. Actually, the rocket stove was a success, but you know there was plan A, B, C, D, and E. And actually, for each of those plans, there were subsets of that plan. You know, we had to evolve it and have that continuous improvement all the way through. For teachers, uh, I think that that's um, there's some assumed kind of knowns. You know, within that, like we know that we want students to be more literate, numerate. You know, a, a greater well-being, attending school. Um, but the pathway of the if I then we is really contextual, depending on. Uh, what the school is and what comes before it. You know, for example, uh, if I want to improve attendance in a school where the attendance issue is because when the surf's great and the sun's shining, no one wants to go to school and somewhere else it might be about uh, travel to school or distance from school Mm. or proximity. You know, it's about understanding the context, understanding that there's a causal pathway and then testing it. Because if you, like you said, it's probably not going to be perfect straight out of the box first time you know and we've got to keep evolving that and as the students shift as Burundi shifts as you know whatever the context you're dealing with shifts um so too should your solution was kind of the takeaway there yeah for sure I I love the idea of digging down below the problem to the causal problem the hypothesis that you you proposed is that sunshine causes people not to attend like you, you couldn't say all right we're shut down every day in the sun yeah, yeah. And then in the face of not being able to to test that hypothesis, but to feel that it's inherently true is a really, um, like there's an intellectual tension that mm. sits there for us. I, I think it's a, a pretty under uh, undervalued kind of attribute of teachers that they operate continually in that kind of flux, uh, yet the pressure is increasing around evidence-based practice, you know? So I'd love to just unpick your brain a little bit because I did have uh, a little bit of a tip of of something else that you kind of work on that I'm really interested to hear more about. I'm a terrible typer. Okay. Uh, So when I go to my keyboard and I'm trying to type, I'm pretty hopeless. You know, I play it cool, but um, I really am only utilizing my index finger. You know, it's it's not a great strength for me. Uh, I heard that, you're quite prepared to kind of challenge kind of a traditional approach and have had a look at keyboard design yourself. Yeah, I have designed a lot of my own keyboards in the past. But just before we get into that, I wanted to 
talk about your uh, typing with your index fingers. Uh, I have done a lot of research into these sorts of things, mostly you know, paper-based research, reading other people's papers. And the human-machine interaction side of things is, is sort of my forte. So how people actually inter- engage and interact with technology. I sit on the layer between the people and the machine. That's how I like to think of it. People in the past uh, had assumed that touch typing is the fastest type of typing. Uh, and it's mostly the case, but you'd be surprised that most people who are self-taught and don't learn to touch type can reach 50 to 80% of the speed of touch typists with just a couple of fingers on each hand, right? So self-taught doesn't really change the overall speed. Makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, it should. <laughs> I, I feel that uh, most people should be happy with how they're typing. However, I am not happy with how I'm typing. I love writing. I write lots of reports uh, and I hate thinking faster than I can type. Well, you, you think a sentence and you're like, this is a great sentence. And then you, you're writing it down and you just think of the next sentence and then you, you make mistakes and you get bored of the sentence you're writing. So you stop. And so I want to be able to reach the speed of thought with my typing. So I have, uh, <laughs> I've built a lot of keyboards in my time, very custom, very bespoke keyboards. They don't look anything like you'd expect. They're not a QWERTY layout. They're not any kind of standard laptop keyboard. They are curved around your fingers. So they, the keys are reachable uh, in 360 degrees sort of thing. I would think as the user, I have a responsibility to use the tool better. But I think what you're telling me is, well, we should question the tool, you know, and about what we're trying to do and, and think about new ways of approaching that, which for schools, there are a lot of things that we have to assume just to function you know like Mm. to get through because there's so many competing priorities so i guess the idea of challenging the status quo to enhance efficiency you know is a a pretty appealing attribute all right hamish so i've got i've got a pretty tough one for you to finish off Uh if you could teach every 10 year old in the world one lesson uh, what would you want them to learn or take away from that lesson Ooh. That's a tough one. In my job, I have learned new skills practically every week. My job could not have existed 10 years ago. If I could teach a kid a skill, it would be to look at the world as if they can change it. What a fantastic answer. I think the world will be better off with, uh, with that lesson landed for sure. Thanks so much for your time today, Amish. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Hamish. I certainly did. The big takeaway for me today was around the idea of idea diffusion and iteration. Scan broadly, make a hypothesis, and test to prove it wrong. This isn't a new idea, but when you look at it through the lens of how this thinking evolved an idea from North America thousands of years ago into improving deforestation and air quality in East Africa today, it's pretty impressive. And the final thing that Hamish left with me was that the world is accessible, it's alterable, and ultimately improvable. That resonates very closely with my core philosophy and what I think many of us as educators believe. Thanks for listening to Dot to Dot. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't, what you'd like more of, or what you learned. Reviews help us reach more listeners so that we can keep bringing you awesome conversations about what you want to hear about. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date with each episode as they come out. Dot to Dot is a creatable podcast hosted by me, Ryder Tracy, and produced by Sophie Ellis. This episode was recorded on Darawal and Darug country. 
Catch you next week.